When it comes to refrigeration, convenience is at the very heart of a Danday refrigeration. A perfect choice for convenience retailers, a Danday's patented modular units deliver so many efficiencies, it's no wonder multi-site brands such as Get-Go and Sheets are installing these temperature-stable, hold-the-cold fridges across their U.S. food courts. To find out how a Danday can help you deliver great-tasting product for your customers, save you energy and space, and improve operational efficiencies, Go to adande.co.uk or adande.com. Professionals in the know, choose Adande. You're listening to Shop Talk Live, the podcast, brought to you by Global Convenience Store Focus. Shop Talk Live is a unique video and podcast series featuring senior retail executives in the global convenience, fuels, and mobility retail industry, hosted by Dan Munford and Carolyn Schneer. Welcome to Shop Talk Live, the podcast. I'm Carolyn Schneer. In this episode, co-hosts Dan Munford and Klaus Montel speak with the Circle K leadership team about their proactive and innovative approach to e-mobility and the implications for the global convenience retail industry. In their discussion, they will talk about the progress of EV charging networks and infrastructure in Norway and globally, the future regarding EVs and sustainability, the Circle K business model where technology is increasingly important, including pay-by-plate, subscription, and other initiatives, as well as how Circle K is adapting to changes in its people-centric culture. I hope you enjoy listening to this episode, and I encourage you to watch the entire webinar at globalconvenienstorefocus.co.uk on episode number 37, Circle K European Strategy. A warm welcome to Shop Talk Live. This episode uh, of our series uh, is looking at Circle K. We're focusing on Circle K and also more broadly looking at mobility strategy for our industry. Um, I'm very pleased uh, to be assisted by my co-host today, um, uh, Klaus Mantel, um, who is uh, expert associate partner with McKinsey. Klaus, welcome. Good morning, Dan. How are you today? Very, very, very well. So, Klaus, as ever, um, you're helping me join up the time zones. Um, you're, you're calling in for, at the end of the day from Tokyo. And greetings from Tokyo, indeed. Thank you very much. Now, um, Klaus, just to, just to kick off the episode, we've got an exciting program. We're going to be welcoming um, uh, the, uh, the head of global e-mobility, Horkon Stickstrud uh, from Circle K, shortly to talk us through some of the latest sites and then of course, uh, Hans Olaf Heidel, who's uh, EVP Operations Europe with Circle K Next. Starting uh, with Horkon Stickstrud, who's uh, has the role of, of head of heading up global e mobility with Circle K. So, welcome, Horkon. How are you doing? Thanks a lot. I'm doing fine. Thank you. How are you? Very, very well. Very well. Well, we we met recently when I was over in in, in Oslo, and um, it's a great opportunity, obviously, to. To, to help the global uh, community in our industry catch up with latest uh, latest developments in Norway. Um, can you give us your perspective on, on the pro- progress of, of EV charging networks and infrastructure in Norway and also perhaps um, globally uh, right now, Håkon? Sure. Um... I can take you through that. Um, I think it's you know very good start to see see the graph you shown on, on EV penetration. Just to start reflecting on the market we're operating in. Um, so EV penetration in Norway has always been uh, always been high, sixty percent year to date uh, uh, so far. Um, and August had seventy one percent. September actually even higher, seventy seven percent. So it's just a massive EV penetration. Uh, but also, if you look at numbers, you know, outside Norway currently, I'm astonished to see the EV sales uh, this year. If you look globally, 
the first half of 2021, uh, EV sales increased with 160% as opposed to last year. So that's a 2.6 index, which is a massive growth. Uh, also Western Europe, uh, high amount of, of EV sales. We had 15% sales, I think, in, in September. Uh, you know, core circle K markets like, um, uh, like Denmark and Sweden as well, also seeing rapid growth now the last couple of months. So, so this is the market we're operating in. Uh, the demand is, uh, you know, uh, is increasing when it comes to EV charging. And that's why we also see now more and more investments coming into charging infrastructure, not only in Norway, but I think we see this tendency uh, also uh, on a global level. Still, it's, I think it's behind EV development. Uh, and I think there's a window of opportunity for, for the players that, that put out a great offer uh, now the next years. So uh, if you look at Norway and, and, and Circle K core markets, we have uh, in Europe, we have around a thousand charge points uh, deployed on our sites, uh, Circle K sites so far. Uh, most of these are in Norway because this is our laboratory and this is where we uh, you know, applied mo most focus so far. Uh, around 600 fast charges uh, on the Norwegian network. I would say uh, one third of the network is electrified with a good offer. Um, and um, uh, 240 of the charge points are Circle K operated, Circle K owned, Circle K branded, whereas the rest are mainly partners such as Tesla and, uh, and uh, Ionity. Um, and this is growing. Uh, we're putting much more focus now to, to neighboring countries and Sweden and Denmark. Uh, uh, we've started investments there, and, and uh, we will apply, uh, you know, uh, heavy focus on uh, other markets as well. We think the timing is right for that now. Mm, very interesting. Just obviously thinking about all the industry interest in this uh, as as the industry transforms itself. What are some of the key considerations for for us um, when you invest when you put this level of investment into into these kind of sites? You know, maybe you could give us some insight on that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, well, first of all, I think uh, the obvious thing is is timing, right? Every every player needs to assess their market uh, level of EV penetration and also, you know, apply that to to, to their own uh, strategy in the company. So, so that I think that's pretty obvious. Um, then, of course, um, it's about uh, choosing the right location. So, choosing a location that hits the most uh, applicable use cases. Uh, there's two use cases we see in particular which is relevant, and that's you know charging when you're traveling long distance and you need to take a break, uh, and the other one are you know sites around the cities, urban main roads, which which will get traffic from people who don't have a home charger, and also will get heavy B2B traffic and, and in general will get good traffic. So choosing the location is important. Then of course, you know, grid, <laughs> choosing the location is also about where do we, where is it electricity? And that's, I, I think we can talk more about that probably uh, a bit later, but um, sometimes uh, you actually need to adapt your location to where capacity is available. Um, and when you have chosen the location, it's about, uh, of course, configuring the site uh, the right way. Uh, in most cases, we don't have space for two value chains at the same time. I mean, we didn't plan for both charging and, and fuel, uh, and, and now we need that as an industry. So, so space is a problem, and, and getting more uh, land is also something the industry needs to think about and, and how to be you know, creative to get, uh, to get space on your forecourt. Uh, often we find out that by playing Tetris, we call it, uh, you, the pieces uh, fall together and, and you get the space available but creating the sites which you've seen here with the big charge parks 
uh, for that you need uh, a whole new thinking and, and more land. Um, I think the you know the last thing I'd like to point to is um, and maybe the most important one is make it a destination. So do everything you can to make this a destination. Apply enough chargers there, enough capacity, uh, and also um, and also you know get get the good food offer in and and the good store so people want to go there. Uh, that's my my uh, kind of last advice. Probably more things as well, but uh, yeah, feel free to <laughs> to follow up. Very good, Klaus. Yeah, maybe two two follow up questions, right? Because I think big issues in the industry are of course demand charges, and then battery is the big hope, right? The peak mm. shaving. Mm. Uh, so that's one question. And the second question I have is is the uh, operating the charge point yourself. Uh, you you operate about a quarter themselves yourselves and three quarters with partners. So how do you make that decision in the various markets? Yeah. I, good questions. And, and uh, the topic of peak shaving, as, as uh, uh, I told on, on Kongsberg, that's actually the first site where, we, where we've added that kind of facilities to understand, you know, uh, how important that will be and, and uh, how that will work. Um, I think it's early days to, to give any learnings from that site, but except saying that we, we think it's critical and important and it's, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a competency and a technology that we, we need to have. have. Um, and uh, when it comes to, to operation of this, uh, we feel like, um, um, I mean, if, for us, the strategy was early to, to get as much chargers out there as possible to make our sites destinations. So we wanted to, to cooperate with companies that, uh, that had capital to invest on our sites. And that's why we work with Tesla and, and Ionity. Uh, but again, I think it makes also sense to, to deploy an own charging network in the future. There's going to be traffic to these sites and uh, it's going to be a profitable operation. So why not uh, conduct that operation ourselves? So also there, it's a question about timing, right? Uh, but uh, when, it, when we talk about the end game, uh, we think it probably makes sense to, to control some of that operation ourselves. So that's our reflection around that actually. Maybe just a quick follow-up. Do you also see yourself operate charge points outside your fuel station network? Is that Great question. That... Great question. And, and yes, we are looking at sites and experimenting with that. Um, uh, we believe that, you know, there, and of course, certainly there are locations, occasions um, uh, in the future where, where, um, where the customer will choose uh, other places than our sites. And, and we're looking into to uh, applying uh, a network outside our sites as well, but but you know our our core network has the highest priority, of course. Very very good. Now, last question in this part of the segment. Um, just looking, I mean, looking looking broadly uh, at our industry. Do you? What's your perspective on, on on this? Do you feel that change is happening fast enough to match the speed of the OEMs? And Klaus is going to be talking about the OEMs' perspective on this at, towards the end of the program. But what do you think, Orkon? Yes. So um, that's a you know very good question, and uh, I I don't want to be the judge of the industry here, uh, and I I cannot claim to see all markets. I may mainly focus on the Circle K uh, markets myself, but but um, and we've seen Shell, we've seen BP, some of the big players have taken positions and and, and are increasing positions. Uh, we see locally, for instance, a player in Denmark, Sweden called OKQ8, OK which is you know quite impressive. But if you if I were to give an answer, I would, my answer would be uh, no. We aren't moving in the pace uh, required. Uh, reason for that is you know you'll talk about the OEMs, the massive investments being done by the OEMs 
20, 30, 40 billion euros or dollars uh, each the next uh, you know five to ten years. <clears throat> so there's going to be a whole lot of EVs out there. I think the society will also see that uh, that electrification of transport it's really a quite you know painless method of reducing uh, CO2 emissions. Uh, it's actually a quite pleasurable uh, one. It's it's nice to drive an EV. So I think penetration will accelerate and it will go quicker than we see in the forecasts. And based on that, uh, also seeing the you know the market dynamics, charger development will happen uh, after demand um, uh, is there because many people will or companies will wait with investing. Uh, there will always be, I think, a lag in charger network uh, compared with the EV penetration. Uh, so as I said in, in the beginning, I think there's a space and a window of opportunity for companies that play on offense uh, and create great destinations. Uh, I think the customer will really reward that. Uh, but you know, through the nature of, of this market, I think the whole charger market will be slightly behind EV penetration. Uh, and that applies to fuel retailers as well, of course. So well, yeah. Yeah, great, great answer. Um, you know, and and to all the questions as well. Well, first, I'd like to thank you, Hawkon, for for joining us today. Congratulations on what you and your team are, are doing. You know, because obviously, it's great to be able to showcase that and uh, and and give you know just give you credit for 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 being on the front foot. I think that's uh, that sums it up really. Um, and that's what our industry has to do. We certainly believe that, Klaus, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. Right. And it, it's a privilege for the industry to have this opportunity in other industries. If I think about the iPhone uh, taking on, taking over the business from Nokia in the space of a few years, uh, this is going to be slower and we can all learn from, from Norway and really uh, yeah, benefit all of that. And I think that the key message around speed is an important one. Right. So thank you, Hokon, for that one. Um, any reflections on, on, on what we've seen so far? Yeah, I think it's a lot of lessons. Yeah, I think stations will be much bigger in the future. Yeah, and I think that is that is a key point here. Also, building future-proof stations because even in the lifetime of these of these pioneering sites, there will be a tremendous change coming, right? So it's is being agile, and and I think Sokke is doing really an impressive job. Hans Olaf, um, at your EVP Operations Europe at Circle K. It's great to great to hear what your colleague. Um, Hawkon's been saying, I'm sure you're very proud about what you've achieved so far in the Norway market. Absolutely, absolutely. I think uh, we have uh, one of the best EV teams uh, in the world, actually. And uh, it seems like uh, the Kongsberg port you refer to has uh, become a destination for, for many players uh, around the world to come and see what we do there. Yeah, we, we, you, you need them all to be charging when they when they arrive, I guess, and that site will, will be doing really well, won't it? Yeah, I think so. Great. Well, thank you very much for, for joining us. Uh, and we're obviously going to be talking about uh, EV, but also looking more broadly at, um, at some of the exciting stuff, you know, frankly, that, that uh, Circle K are, are, are doing in our industry. And it's great to have a chance to, to, to do that. <clears throat> Uh, do you think the picture looks clearer than it was two years ago, which I guess was the last time that many of us had the chance to visit um, Norway and Circle K? And, and if so, how, uh, Hans Olaf? Yes, to, to start with, you know, EV is actually a part of the sustainability journey. And, and what we see is that uh, the requirements or expectations become more and more consistent from customers, in particular B2B consumers from policymakers and governments, but also from our own employee. So uh, this is a kind of, you know, 
thing we need to live up to to be attractive, both from the customer perspective and from the employee perspective. And I think we, we do an excellent job there in, in Circle K in, in many areas. On EVs, I think it has become much, much clearer now that uh, this is a winning technology. Uh, you see all, all OEMs moving into electricity. Uh, hydrogen uh, still have uh, a space, but uh, electricity becomes uh, clearer. I also learned uh, a lot, of course, by having Norway as a lab, uh, seeing what happens there. And uh, there is still much of the same needs from the customer side as it is with a normal uh, car, a fuel car. So we see this kind of expectation to make it easy. We see that uh, uh, amenities uh, plays a key role and even more key role on EVs. They are spending 20 to 30 minutes at our store. So toilet capacity, good food offer, free <coughs> Wi-Fi, seating capabilities, and of course, uh, excellent uh, human uh, interaction with the best employees is still important. What we also have learned, and this is in particular important, is that our location has a great value. Comparing to the average uh, charging in Norway, over chargers has a much higher charging utilization than the average. So that, that tells me that we are in a winning space in regard to this uh, new offer. Very good, Klaus. Yeah, I mean, impressive, yeah. Just to broaden it a bit beyond EV to overall technology, right? We see Circle K do amazing things with subscription models, uh, license plate recognition, frictionless payment. Can you say something about that, the role of technology in your business and how it's changing? Yeah, just as a start, I think, you know, on EV, the digital interface is much more important than we have seen earlier. You know, the OEMs putting a lot of effort into this. So winning in an easy digital interface with the consumer is important. But in parallel, by having Norway as a lab on, on EV, it's important to continue to develop our offer to the existing customer fuel, uh, normal fuel and uh, uh, diesel and gasoline will continue to stay for many, many years and be the biggest income generator for, for, for Circle K. And it's important to continue to develop that and make it easy for the consumer in the same way as for EV. So recently launched the pay-by-plate solution in Sweden, the first market where we had that on all stores. We're now moving in that solution into other European countries. And hopefully we could do that across the company as we move forward. On Click and Collect is a solution that we speeded up the development for during COVID, has been hugely successful in, in Norway as an example. Uh, home deliveries is another space that we need to continue to develop. We have some solution in, in the Baltics and some, some markets. I think this is coming as we move forward, but also other solutions like subscription model for car wash that we recently launched in, in Denmark, highly popular that we will now move to other markets. And then last but not least, also this more uh, easy interaction with the consumer in the store, like, uh, like self-checkout solution. I think we have the scanning solution. The next solution in this area gets, goes much faster and is much less hassle-free for the consumer to gain speed. So 
I think these kind of interfaces need to continue to develop, but at the, in, in the same time, we shouldn't develop solution just for those who is the early adopters. We need to make it easy. So also all the average consumers can move into this space. And we see the same on, on EVs actually. Sometimes we make the solution too kind of complicated for the consumer, but it needs to be easy to use also for the 70 year old man that uh, doesn't have a lot of apps on her, uh, his phone to charge his, his car going forward. Terrific. And it makes complete sense, doesn't it? Doesn't it, class? You know, that sort of, and, and uh, you know, congratulations again, you know, for, 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 for pushing so fast and so successfully on the digital side. The other thing I was going to just, just throw in at this point was, was looking at the food strategy, uh, which I know you've, you haven't mentioned so far, but we'd like to ask you about, because obviously uh, that needs to develop too. And I know you've, 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 you continue to, you haven't been slow to move that forward either in the last couple of years. So perhaps I could ask you a bit about the, the food offer as, as well, Hans Olaf. Yeah, you, as you know, uh, Dan, we have a great food uh, uh, offer in the entire European uh, uh, Circle K stores. Right. Uh, this has been developed over many, many years. And today we are about 20% uh, in most of the business unit in regard to the in-store sales is food. Uh, we will continue to develop this. I think we will move a bit from uh, prepared at site to more prepared uh, at the central destination or a central uh, distribution center. But we still want to make the food super fresh for the consumer. And in the future, I think we need to combine that more with like a click and collect solution, fast deliveries. And as I earlier said, when the consumer spent 20 to 30 minutes at our stores, they have more time and higher expectation in regard to having a, a great food offer. We are now also expanding this initiative into North America. So far, we have 1,500 stores there with uh, a good food offer, and we're going to drive that further and expand the offer to many more thousand sites in the coming years. Very, 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 very impressive, too. Um, Klaus, you know, and any, what are your thoughts in terms of uh, reflections looking at the, the speeds uh, with which Circle K are changing? Yeah, I think it's it's changed everywhere, right? And, and maybe that was a question then to you, Hans uh, Olaf. People, uh, your staff on site, uh, their role must be evolving very quickly uh, from, from doing a fuel transaction, a much more hospitality. A lot of it is automated at some point. You get the self-checkout. So how, how is that changing your recruitment, uh, the um, uh, staff training, any retention challenges or or not? How, how does how does that change the uh, in your business? Yeah, so just to start with, I think uh, you know people is the hardest one to copy, and uh, people has always we are a people centric company, an operational and pe a people centric company. So it starts with uh, our employee. If you want to deliver a great customer experience in the store, you need to have uh, engaged motivated and well-trained employees. And of course, all these new kind of offers, the digital interface, more food, more EVs, more service at the store level, puts higher requirements to our employees. So this is something that we always have focused on and we will continue to focus on. And it's all about, you know, 
get the right people into the store, but it's also much about engage them and try train them well. I'm very happy to see now that we was recognized for our gamified training that we have developed over the two last years, which is much more engaging for the employees. It's faster and it's easier to remember also all the new tasks you have to, to learn uh, and execute when you want to create a good customer meeting. But uh, it's also a lot about leadership. So uh, in one area, we continue to focus on the gamified part. We focus on uh, rewarding people in the right way, but we also need to focus on training and develop our leaders continuously to make sure that uh, we actually win. And, and revert back to that, the most difficult part is to copy a good culture and great leaders. Very good. I, I guess one comment on me uh, from me on that is that I, with the positioning of of the Circle K business in in Norway, particularly, and thinking about you know the what appeals to to the younger younger generations around obviously a strong forward uh, you know facing sustainability strategy. I, I think that's probably aided your recruitment of of some of these new um, capabilities, hasn't it, Hans Olaf? Yeah, you know. Uh... I think everyone wants to, you know, be identified with something positive. And uh, the high kind of focus uh, on environmental CO2 pollution have got uh, in the society. You know, young people ask this question when they are recruited. What is your answer to sustainability? What is your focus in regard to diversity and inclusion, uh, which is also extremely important? And last but not least, they want to work in a company that uh, uh, see a solution for the future and uh, has a sustainability, a sustainable strategy to meet the future demands from the consumers. And I think uh, uh, we are on the right journey there. And I think we are rewarded by having excellent employees searching for for job in Circle K. Make, makes makes a lot of sense. Um, brings me very nicely to to my last question on this part of the segment. Um, optimistic are you optimistic about the future in uh, in the circle k business hands up yeah absolutely you know uh, this uh, industry has always been through a lot of uh, you know of, uh, uh, changes if you look 30 years back in time it was workshops uh, it was no food sales it was lubricants and all the kind of products you had in the store now we are uh, more of a food destination and i think you will see the same kind of uh, willingness to change and actually take off the opportunities when we move into the electricity journey in the, or era in, in the coming year. So I'm optimistic, but it takes a lot of, of hard work. Yeah, absolutely. We can, we can see that. And, uh, but you've done a lot. You know, it's amazing how much has, has changed uh, in all areas of the business as we've just been discussing over the last couple of years. You know, um, you've used that time incredibly well. So again, Hans Olaf, congratulations to you and the, and, and the whole Circle K team. And it's great to be able to feature you. Thank you for listening to Shop Talk Live, the podcast. This episode was produced by Dan Munford and Nick Scherzer with support from Jenna Ferguson and Lorraine Evans. It was produced, edited, and mixed by Carolyn Schneer. And music was provided by Wolfgang Worley. Tune in every other week for new episodes. And please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And learn more at globalconvenienceStorefocus.co.uk.